Well, isn't this amazing to be together? Oh, what a special day. I'm so excited to be a part of this weekend. Uh, I also just want to just take a second and say thank you to a few people. Uh, first of all, to the 4th of July committee. Um, thank you so much for allowing us to come here and do this and be a part of this weekend. It's such a blessing to, to be involved. And to consider this, this significance of, of what it means to be a, a believer in Christ on this special day. I also want to just thank each of the, the churches and the leadership of, of those churches who are, are participating this morning for entrusting uh, us as, as we gather together for coming and being a part of this and for making this your Sunday service. To Pastor Jeff and Pastor Keith, thank you. Uh, for each of, of your for your leadership for your willingness to to be a part of this and, and we want to honor you as well this morning and then to all of our volunteers who made uh, this day a success and, and uh, there's a lot that goes into doing something like this and we're grateful for those who are willing to offer their time and and be a part of this as well um, you know I don't know about you but I am proud to be an American now I know our nation isn't perfect. I know we've made some mistakes throughout the years. We've done some things that are wrong, that are sinful in the eyes of God. There have been things in our past and in our present that we need to repent of. But just because our nation isn't perfect, it doesn't mean that we can't celebrate the good things about the United States of America. And so since I have the microphone this morning, um, you're gonna hear some things that I love about this country this is hardly an exhaustive, exhaustive list, but it's just a few of the things that, that I appreciate. Um, one of the things that I love about this country is the natural beauty that exists here. We have everything here, from mountains to white sand beaches to lakes and rivers. In fact, I visited for the very first time in my life uh, this past spring. I went to the Grand Canyon and got to see what an incredible act of creation that place is. It was amazing to see God's handiwork in that place. And our nation is filled with examples of things um, that represent the, the intelligence and the beauty of God's design. Uh, I also love that our country is a blending of cultures from all over the entire globe. Now, um, just my personal ancestry includes immigrants from Norway and Ireland and Sweden and Italy. And that never would have happened if it weren't for America. In fact, I've made friends in Minnesota, which is just uh, a few miles away from the geographical center of North America. I've found people in this state and made friends from places like Liberia and Korea and India and England and Egypt and Belarus. I mean, you can drive less than an hour after church today and go eat lunch from just about anywhere in the world. Isn't that incredible that we live in this place that has brought so many different people from all over the globe together. Another thing I love about this country is the church in America. Now on the surface, there's plenty to criticize, but throughout the history of Christianity in this nation, the American church has been an incredible force for good. There's been transformative events like the Great Awakening in the 1700s that shaped much of the ideology that our country was founded on. And, and other different events and revivals that have happened throughout our history from 
Billy Graham packing stadiums full of people and millions receiving Christ as their Savior. Maybe most importantly, the American church has been the greatest missionary-sending nation the world has ever seen. We're a nation that believes that the gospel message is for the entire world. And so I, as I was thinking about those things and about what I wanted to share this morning, I thought I would ask myself the question, what is our nation's greatest value? And it didn't take me very long. In fact, I think it's pretty clear the thing that we treasure most in this country is freedom. It's, it's the theme of the preamble to our Constitution. It says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility, to provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States of America. Our founding fathers understood something, that freedom is a blessing. And so we as a nation have historically been pursuing freedom, and we pursued that in a number of different ways, through democracy, through the Bill of Rights, through protests, through legislation. We've wrestled with this idea how to be free and even how to help other nations be free too. And we haven't always got it right, but in that pursuit of freedom, it's been something that's, that our nation has been founded on. A few years back, I, I read a book about Abraham Lincoln called A Team of Rivals, and it was a fascinating look into the life of one of our country's greatest men. And Lincoln understood the value of freedom. In fact, in his most famous speech, the Gettysburg Address, happened after the Civil War, Lincoln made this incredible statement about the intentions of our nation. He said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I think that he understood that freedom is a value that's held close not only to the heart of an American, but to the heart of God as well. And the idea that freedom the idea of freedom and liberty is actually all throughout the scriptures. If you read about it in the Bible, scripture talks about this idea of freedom a lot and what it means to be free. And, and we're going to look at a passage this morning that talks about what it means to be free. But before we, we read it together, I want to ask a question, something for you to think about this morning. This question is, what does it mean to be free? Now, I think there's only one source for that definition. It's not the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or the Federalist Papers or any other important document that we as Americans have created. The only source for absolute truth is the Word of God. Yeah. This book is the only book that is God-breathed in fact, Scripture tells us that all of it is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, or you got the Bible on your phone and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. 
We're only going to read a couple of verses, uh, but I'd encourage you, as, as you have time to read through the whole chapter and read through the whole book, as it tells uh, the, the broader story. But let's start at verse 1, and this is where we're going to focus this morning. Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now that is an incredible picture, and it, listen, I, if that verse doesn't sound American to you, I don't know what does. Now, after the service, we're going to get our tea bags and go dump it in the Crow River, and no, <laughs> we won't do that. <laughs> actually, let's break down this verse, and let's look what the Apostle Paul was actually saying in this passage. And the first thing I want us to understand is that freedom is part of God's nature. Freedom is part of God's nature. Throughout the scriptures, God does different things for people. He does different things for mankind, for, for the Israelites. He shows them things. He rescues them. And most of the time when God intervenes in some way and calls us to do something, he gives us the explanation for why he does it. And it's usually something like it's for his glory or that his name would be known among the nations. We read that in the book of Psalms. But in this verse, he gives us a reason. He says, the reason I want you to be free is for freedom. Now that might seem a little redundant to you, but I think um, there's a point to the way that he said that. In fact, one commentator put it this way. He said, freedom is the destination or the purpose behind Christ's liberating action. In, in fact, we can take that and kind of apply it and understand that God wants us to be free because Freedom is part of who he is, and that's what he does. It's kind of similar to what we read in the book of 1 John 4 that tells us to love one another because God is love. Well, in the same way, God wants us to be free because freedom is who he is. It's what he does. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. So it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He's the God of freedom and he wants that for his children. And here's the second thing. Freedom, spiritual freedom, is a choice. It's a choice. Paul says to refuse to submit yourself to the yoke of slavery again. Now, as we've talked about already this morning, we live in a country where many of our freedoms are protected even many of our dumb choices are protected by the Constitution. For the most part, the philosophy of this country is that if you want to be an idiot, as long as you don't hurt somebody else, go for it, right? Uh, that's, that's part of our thinking and, and part of our process as American citizens. But what Paul is talking about here, he's saying, don't return to the yoke of slavery, in the book of Romans, he actually gives us another picture of what this looks like, of what that yoke of slavery looks like. In fact, in Romans 6.16, it says this, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So true freedom isn't doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it. 
In fact, Paul says, if that's your attitude, then you're just a slave to your flesh. And you're a slave to your own desires. But what Paul is saying is that um, if you're living for yourself, you are unwittingly putting yourself into the bondage of slavery. But let's keep reading what it says in verse 17. It says, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves to righteousness. Now he goes on in the next verse to say, this isn't a perfect picture because we're using human terminology. Like the word slavery has a lot of negative connotations to it. And what he's talking about in being slaves to righteousness here is not a negative thing. In fact, righteousness, we sometimes think about being righteous as doing the right things and having good behavior and and learning how to act a certain way. But that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness means right standing before God. And scripture is very clear. It tells us as plain as day that you and your behavior have no ability to make yourself righteous before God. You can't do anything to earn his righteousness. It's only by the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross that we can be righteous before God. So when he's saying you're a slave to righteousness, it means you're standing right before God. You're receiving the perfection of Jesus because of the work that he did on the cross. Now, His righteousness has been given to you. Being a slave to righteousness means you've surrendered your life to him, and now as a result, you are truly free. Freedom is a choice. You can choose to live for yourself, or you can choose to surrender your heart to Christ and be free, be truly free. Here's the last thing. True freedom is trading religion for relationship. Now, if you go on to read the rest of this chapter, Paul is actually addressing a faction in the church that's pushing for circumcision for non-Jewish believers who have come to faith in Christ. And now, circumcision was a sign of the covenant or the contract that God made with Abraham in the Old Testament and that was practiced by Jews at this time, but not Gentiles. Now, parents, I'll leave it up to you to explain circumcision to your kids later. You're welcome for that, by the way. <laughs> but Paul is saying, you are free. Don't go back to the bondage of slavery by subjecting yourself to religious rules. Jesus has offered a better way. Here's what it says in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Here's the point of what Paul is saying and what it means to us today. It's not Jesus and my works. It's not Jesus and my religion. It's not even Jesus and my church. It's Jesus. It's his work alone. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. Let's say 
let's say for a second that you're making a recipe and you have the perfect recipe. Your grandma discovered the perfect apple pie. It has the perfect balance of tart apples and cinnamon and sugar and a nice flaky crust and with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It's heaven on a plate. And so she gives you the recipe and you decide, I'm going to make that pie. But as a part of that process, you start thinking about it. And you're like, you know what? Kind of like Chinese food too. What? It, soy sauce is great on my fried rice. Why not put a little soy sauce in the apple pie, too? And, you know, remember when we were at the Italian place last summer, we had the pasta? Let, let's add some canned tomatoes, but, but don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to use the best canned tomatoes, right? And, you know, when we were at that French restaurant last year and they had that cheese platter, maybe some Gouda and some Brie would make a great addition to grandma's apple pie. Only the best ingredients. Listen, the perfect recipe isn't about having just good ingredients. It's about the right ingredients and the right proportions. That's what freedom in Christ is like. It's the simplest recipe. It's 100% all-natural, non-GMO Jesus. It is the only way, the only source of life. Jesus said it this way in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a lot of religion in this world. In fact, sometimes there's a lot of religion in the church. But I believe with all my heart that what God wants for his people is relationship. He wants to know you. He wants to come inside your heart. He wants to make his home, his residence inside of you. And sometimes we get distracted by all the good things, and they are good things, that come alongside of our faith. But here's the truth. It's only Jesus. He is the answer he is the solution. He's everything that our world needs. I love being an American. I'm grateful for the freedoms that we have, but I'm way more grateful for the freedom that I have in Christ Jesus. I want to close this morning with a story. I just received an email last week from some friends of ours who are living undercover as missionaries in a predominantly Muslim country. They sent an email to ask for prayer about the 17-year-old girl that their team had led to Christ. And she was excited about her faith and wanted to tell others. She told her family, and her mother and some of her closest relatives turned her into the government. She's in prison today. 17 years old, and her family wants her to be tried under Sharia law. They want her to be executed for her faith in Christ. It's a horrible situation. We're praying for her release, but can I tell you something? This might shock some of you, 
that 17-year-old girl is more free than a lot of Americans today. Because she understands this life, the key to our freedom is Jesus Christ. And even though her circumstances right now are pretty terrible, she's probably enduring a lot of pain and suffering as her hope is in Christ. It doesn't matter what happens to her here on this earth. Eternity is hers with Christ. As a Christian, what do we do with this freedom that's been given to us? Paul tells us later on in this chapter. Verse 13, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be truly free, learn to serve others. Freedom in Christ means that it's not about satisfying our need for immediate gratification, but that because of what Christ did for us by offering himself as a sacrifice, we can live our lives free from the selfishness that drives the rest of the world. Maybe you're here today. You've been living for yourself. Can I tell you something? There's more to life than that. There's more to life than what you've been chasing. And these words in Scripture, maybe they're speaking to you today. Maybe you're saying, I want to taste that freedom. I want to experience that life. It's available to you in this moment. If you're looking for religion, you came to the wrong place this morning. But if you're looking for a relationship with Christ, I know where you can find it. Religion's about following a set of rules that maybe will be good enough to please God. But the message of Jesus is that you can't please God on your own. It's only by His grace, by His redeeming work on the cross, that He laid down His life so that we could be truly free.